So many of you have been reaching out to me to tell me just how impactful this series has been for you. Knowing that many of us deal with this problem of offense, that we feel offended oftentimes in life for a number of reasons, it's nice as a pastor to be able to hear messages like this. So I, just, I, I reached out to one of you and asked permission to share one of the letters that you wrote to me. And I just want to encourage you with this because I think it is an encouraging letter. This individual writes that uh, they were cleaning out their apartment and they gave them a glimpse into their youth and their young adult years. And after reading a lot of their own writings, they realized probably for the first time in their lives that they can say this, I now know what it feels like to actually live in a peaceful state of mind and of living. This has only happened since I've been attending Peace Mennonite Community Church. I want to thank you for your teaching and support of me through these years. I honestly thought that I may never really feel peace, but I do. Amen to that. This is what I believe the people of God are to be to others. I've said it more times uh, in this series probably than other times past, is that people, when they experience you, should feel a sense of peace entering into their lives. That when you come into contact with them, instead of chaos coming into their lives, it should be a sense of peace entering into your or their lives. So let's continue to now with the story of Joseph. If you remember from last time, Joseph had been in prison. I'm just going to let this thing go. Could we switch over to the pulpit? Uh, Joseph had been in prison for several years, and he finally was able to be relinquished from prison after being able to interpret a a dream for Pharaoh. Now, Joseph has been put in charge of the land of Egypt and is now helping Egypt prepare for a coming famine because Egypt is going to go through seven years of abundance followed by seven years of a famine. And the famine is going to be so bad that the whole entire world is going to suffer. But through Joseph's preparedness and actions, he's going to be able to ready Egypt and help the world handle this hard time that is coming. So with that being said, we look back now to Joseph's family in the land of Canaan. And it says this in Genesis 41.56. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me today. Genesis 41.56 says this. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians. For the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere. When Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, Why do you just keep looking at each other? He continued, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us, so that we may live and not die. So many years have gone on in Jacob's life, and Joseph's father, and he's still alive. Yet his situation has worsened. You know, I find this really interesting, and I want to pause here for a second, that where did the famine, who did the famine strike? Everyone, 
But yet, who is God using as a vessel to be able to prepare and help through the famine? Is he using Israel? No, he's using Egypt. But wait, Pastor Kevin, I thought Jacob was the individual, Israel was the individual that God wrestled with, that this is supposed to be the line through which Jesus would eventually come out. This is supposed to be the blessed family and people of God that God's going to make into a strong nation. So why does God choose Egypt? You know, I don't know if I can give a perfect answer to that other than just saying that God oftentimes works in ways that we don't always understand but are always meant for our benefit and for our good. That he does not waste a single opportunity to be able to bring about his goodness in the lives of others. But it should also help us be relieved in knowing this. That sometimes bad things do happen to good people. You see, I think some of us struggle with this concept. We think that if something bad is happening in our lives, that it is a direct result of our own doing. That God is trying to punish us. That God is trying to teach us something. And yes, God could always teach us through the pains of life that we are going through, but the difficulties of life are not always a result of God just trying to punish you. Because you see, I believe God loves his people. That if you have given your life over to Jesus, that if you have put your faith in God, that you truly are his son or daughter. So what does that mean? That means that God desires to be a good father to you. That there is no moment in life that you can't go to God and look to him as you would look to a good father here on earth. But it also means that sometimes in life, we will go through hardships. And that's not God's punishment towards us. So much as it is an opportunity to look to him to guide us through all of our situations in life. So I want to remind you, church, that if you are going through a hard moment in your life, and maybe from that hard moment you have been thinking about, what did I do wrong? How did I cause this in my life? Maybe it just means that you're just going through a hard moment in life. My father used to tell me that when it rains, everybody gets wet. And the same can be true for this situation with Egypt and Israel. Everybody is going through the famine. But the important thing here is not so much the famine that everybody's going through, but what? The provisions that God is going to give people to get through this famine. And that's the beauty of the truth, is that God can get us through any situation in life that he desires. We just need to remember where our focus and our attentions lie. So, Jacob desires for his sons to go up and down to Egypt and purchase grain. Let's pick up in verse 3. It says, Then the ten, uh, the ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt. But Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brothers, brother, pardon me, with the others, because he was afraid that harm might come to him. 
So it seems like Israel, Jacob that is, is still dealing with this sin of favoritism, right? That he won't send one of his sons because obviously one of those sons is more important to to Jacob than the others. So that hasn't really been corrected in his life. Let's continue. Verse 5. So Israel's sons were among those who went to buy grain. For there was famine in the land of Canaan also. Now Joseph was the governor of the land, the person who sold grain to all its people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them. But he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where do you come from? he asked. From the land of Canaan. They replied to buy food. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Then he remembered his dreams about them. Let's take a moment there and pause for a second. What would have that felt like to have gone through the years and years of suffering at the hands of your family members, of your brothers? To have been stripped away from everything that you knew. To be brought to a foreign land. To be sold into slavery. To be forced to be a servant. And then to be ripped away from all that you know. And then be thrown into prison. And for years and years and years to go by... All the while, you know that your brothers are enjoying an ordinary life that you should be enjoying for yourself. That you did not truly cause this pain. That the pain that you are going through is at the hand of somebody else. And now all of those people come to you and are bowing down in front of you and you now have all the power in the world to decide the fate of the people in front of you that caused you all of this pain and this suffering. I don't think we fully understand what that emotionally would have felt like for Joseph to be in the presence of his brothers after all of this hardship and pain that he went through. And the question that I kind of ask now is what would you do in this moment? I think if we're honest with ourselves we probably wouldn't be very nice, right? I think, if anything, we would use this as an opportunity to pay back the harm and the evil that we have experienced for ourselves. I think if I were Joseph, I would be thinking about all of the wonderful ways that I can torture and make my brother's lives miserable for what they had put me through. And yet Joseph is, is dealing with this situation right in front of him. How do I handle this moment? You know, if we think about all the movies we enjoy watching, if we think about some of the, 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 the stories that appeal to us, it's usually a story about revenge. Paying back those who have done things that are wrong. You know, I know, I remember reading in high school one of my favorite books, and maybe you've read the book or seen the film, The Count of Monte Cristo, 
right? And what does Edmund Dantes do when he is thrown into prison and finally escapes? He decides to get back at those who wronged him. And I think that is how we often like to look at life. How can I get back at those who have created offense in my life? You see, it's so easy to allow our minds to live in a place with how do I pay back the wrongdoing that was given to me? How do I give back the offense that was given onto me? And I think that is a huge lesson that we can learn through Scripture in dealing with offense, is what do we do when we're given an opportunity to pay back offense to another individual? How do we respond in that moment? Do we use the power that we have to be able to offend them, or do we think of another path? This is a really, really, really hard question to answer. And let me explain why. Because the truth is, is that some of us have gone through situations that I would say without a shadow of a doubt are absolutely wrong. Some of us in this room have been wronged in such ways that you have been abused, you have been neglected, you have been hurt, you have been wrongly offended. And I'm not just saying somebody cut you off in the highway. Some of you I know have gone through the pains of other people's harm and hurt in your life. People who have rejected you, people who have violated you, people who have hit that area in your life that remains a sore spot for you. And I don't want you to think that those things are okay. I don't want you to think that finding peace means being a doormat. That finding peace means allowing others to harm you in whichever ways they choose. That finding peace means not confronting evil in this world. Because even though Jesus taught us how to turn the other cheek, we also know that Jesus was very strong and very outspoken on the things that he believed were wrong in this world. And he defended those that could not defend themselves. But yet, we need to be able to figure out how to balance for ourselves Not becoming revengeful people. People that are always looking to pay back the pain of our lives into the life of others. But we also need to balance out not allowing ourselves to just say nothing about evil. To not acknowledge it. To hide it. To not confront the wrongdoing that we see in this world. And I'll be honest with you, church, I don't know if I have fully figured that out, but I see the importance of being able to walk that line well. And I think walking that line well is where we can find peace 
Because you see, if all you're doing in life is thinking about how you can pay back those who have harmed you, if all you're thinking about after you left that conversation with your boss or your coworker, that person who had something snarky to say, and all you're doing is thinking about in your head fantasizing about all the things that you should have said or done to get back at them, then are you really living with peace? If anything, I would say that what is most likely growing in your heart is bitterness. And as we talked about before, that bitterness eventually leads to hatred and resentment and a callousness towards others. So what do we do in situations where we are finally given in some ways, or we we have the opportunity, I should say, to pay back offenses? It says in Scripture, in Genesis 42, 9, Then he remembered his dreams. Then he remembered his dreams. You see, what spiraled this whole entire situation for Joseph was what? His dream. The fact that his father treated him as a favorite child above the other children, and that Joseph had a dream that he would be standing before his family members and all of them would be bowing down to him. Joseph, seeing his brothers in front of him, bowing down in front of him, seeing all the power that he had in his life, clicked all of a sudden. He remembered everything that happened to him and the origins of how all of this chaos and pain came about. And in this moment, I believe that Joseph starts to understand not just for his, what, what happened with his brothers in his own situation, but rather the larger message that God was trying to bring the larger picture that God was trying to paint in Joseph's life. You see, Joseph starts to realize that his life is not just about himself. That the gifts that God has given him to do these wonderful and remarkable things are not just about making his life a better life for himself, but rather being able to bring about goodness in the lives of others. You see, Joseph, I believe, took that dream initially as a message of how great he was going to be for the purposes of just being great. When in reality, God was trying to show Joseph, in my belief, a glimpse of his importance in life. Not because Joseph was born special, or because Joseph was the favored child, but rather because God was going to use Joseph to bring about goodness in the lives of other people. And just like that, In a blink of an eye, Joseph remembers that he was created with a purpose. Joseph did not take this opportunity 
to pay back his brothers and bring evil on their lives. If he wanted to, he could have likely had each one of them killed. If he wanted to, he likely could have just sent them away with nothing. Now, he's still a brother, so he takes every opportunity to, to torture his, his brothers a little bit, too. You know, as a, as a dad with two boys, I oftentimes see my boys wailing on each other. And Michaela and I, we're, we're, just, we're always laughing about it and just thinking, man, this is just the way of brotherhood, I guess, to just wail on each other every now and then. So Joseph doesn't miss the opportunity to be able to torture his brothers a little bit and make them fearful for their own lives. But he's doing it with a purpose. He's doing it to help them see the pain, the uncertainty, all the things that he was feeling. In many ways, you can say that Joseph is offering them a healthy glimpse at what happens when you do terrible things. But what's amazing about Joseph in his story is that he doesn't use the power that he has to harm others. He uses the power that he has to bring goodness to others. The verse that we read today for scripture reading sums up what Joseph thought about this whole situation. Genesis 50, verse 20, says this, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Chances are you've heard this verse at some point in time in your life. But I wonder if you've heard it with the full effect of what this story in Genesis is meant to teach us. That so often all of us can go through many, 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 many kinds of hardships and offenses and things that really, really cut down on us. But that all of us, regardless of what we've gone through, have an opportunity to be able to change that offense into something good. In fact, it's my big idea for today. Turn offense into opportunity. Turn offense into opportunity. The question is, is what type of opportunity? I believe that God wants us to take all of the offenses that we go through in life as an opportunity to increase goodness in this world. You see, offense is an opportunity to be able to allow God to enter into a situation. It's an opportunity to cleave to him and to allow him to speak to us regardless of what we're going through. You see, for Joseph, he had plenty of times to allow the offenses he went through to ruin him. To cause him to be disgruntled 
embittered and worthless. He had plenty of opportunities to give up, to turn into a negative person that would just give up on this world. But yet in every single, op- every single situation, he used offense as an opportunity to bring about God's goodness. And he did the same exact thing with his brothers, that when his brothers finally came to him, bowed down before him, and would eventually come to know who he was and that he was actually alive, healthy, and well and was going to bring about salvation in the lives of other people, Joseph did not use that as an opportunity to bring judgment to them, but rather to help them find peace. With every single offense we go through, there's an opportunity for peacemaking. It's true that not everybody will walk through peacemaking, but your responsibility isn't how they respond, it's how you respond. Joseph got to be a peacemaker in this situation. He got to use every single hurt that he went through as an opportunity to bring peace in the lives of not just his brothers, but the whole entire land of Egypt and all of the neighboring countries. I wonder what you could do with the offenses that you go through in life. I wonder how you can turn those offenses into an opportunity to bring about God's goodness. One of my favorite stories in the gospel narratives is when Jesus enters into a town. There's a blind, a a young man who's blind. Scripture says that he was blind at birth. He was born that way. He was born as a blind person, never understood what it was to be able to see in his life. And instead of thinking about how do we love on this person, how do we figure out a way to maybe pray for this person, how do we, we've seen Jesus do wonderful things before, why don't we see Jesus do something wonderful now? Instead, all the people around him start to get into an academic debate. This is when I think it's sad, when religion can be a sad thing, when people just think about this and not about this. So they start asking the question, well, why was this person born blind? Because all they can imagine is is that this is God's punishment. So some people are saying, well, maybe it's because of the sins of his parents. Or maybe it's because of the sins that this young man have, has committed that God punished him and caused him to be born blind. All the while, forgetting that this person is someone that never probably wanted to be blind. And I love how Jesus responds to him. I love how Jesus responds to all of these people trying to figure out God's punishment in this young man's life. And he tells them, it's neither. You thought it was either option one or option two? Well, I'm telling you that God made an option three. And that was to bring about glory. There is nothing 
that God will not waste, that God will waste in your life. There is nothing that you have gone through that is ever truly wasted because God can take every single offense and turn it into an opportunity for peace. The question is, is how do we respond to it? Because it truly is our choice. Will we respond to it in a way where we just grow in bitterness, grow in resentment, grow in indifference? Or will we respond to the offenses that we have as an opportunity to ask the Lord to take things that were intended for evil and to turn them into good? That's the question I leave with you with this series. What will you do with the offenses you've been given? I pray and hope that you'll take time this week to explore those offenses and to think of how you can use them as an opportunity to bring about good. Because here's the thing. If we are to be a light, if we are to sing a song like this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, then we're going to see a lot of darkness around us. And the only way that we can truly expose and illuminate the darkness is to be light, to be God's light to others. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for Joseph's life. It's a life I wouldn't want to live. Lord, you know that the pain, the suffering, the hardship that he went through was unbelievably difficult. But Lord, you did not waste a moment of it. You turned all of those offenses, all of the things that he was suffering through, as an opportunity to bring about goodness. I pray for those of us here today Lord, who have felt the sting of offense in life. Offense from a family member, from someone at work, someone at school, maybe just even the strangers that we bump into. And Lord, those offenses have cut deep. And Father, we admit that there have been times in our lives where we have taken Offense, and we have used it as a reason to be vengeful, to be bitter, to be angry towards you and angry towards others. We ask your forgiveness for that. And we pray that you would help us, Lord, to be like Joseph, to use offense as an opportunity, to bring about peacemaking, to bring about your light for others, Lord. Help us to do that well. Help us to see what you are calling us to. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.